Sirius XM Sports presents... At the Races with Steve Bick. Horse racing, handicapping, interviews. This is At the Races with Steve Bick. A very good Tuesday, race fans. Serious 162, <laughs> XM207, and online 999. Uh, I guess we lost a minute there, a minute and a half, and uh, that, that's sort of the way I... <laughs> that's sort of the way I'm feeling too this morning. I, I turned to Tina after a late night, and I said, "I woke up. We we woke up late." Uh, you know these Monday night games, and uh, I turned to Tina. I said, "I, I feel 64 to, <laughs> this morning." Uh, I, I, it's not a question of staying up for those Eagle games uh, for the Monday night game. It, it's it's that you can't go to sleep uh, afterward, especially after a win like that. Uh, I, I uh, it was a terrific birthday present. I got to tell you, and. Uh, for those that, uh, I don't know if you saw, there was, I guess it was on Twitter. Yeah, it must have been on Twitter, because Johnny, uh, Johnny D said it. And I've, I've mentioned this before, but uh, November 20th, you know, for those of you that are New York football giant uh, fans and Eagle fans, uh, or Eagle fans, the, uh, the anniversary of, of Chuck Bednarik leveling Frank Gifford. And uh, I, I turned one year old on that, on that day, and here we are, 60... Three years later, yesterday, and uh, look—I really was looking forward to it all day. I got to tell you, and uh, and I, I was quietly confident. But uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this. Kevin Kirstein's going to be on in about 40 minutes, and we'll check in with KK, who's home uh, on daddy duty. So there, <laughs> be prepared for some uh, some screaming tatalas in the background. Nothing we haven't uh, dealt with before. <laughs> right, children and animals in the background, uh, but uh, this was uh, this was funny actually. Uh, probably we'll actually talk a little football at the end of the show too. Dave Hill uh, arrived safely in Arkansas, and I did uh, hint or promise that we'd get to Dave uh, in anticipation of you know what is a feast uh, of uh, of sports. Obviously, Thanksgiving uh, through, and we got uh, the. This is always a great week for racing, uh, and a lot of the cards, I, I mean, a vast majority of the cards, I think except maybe for, I think except maybe for California, right, For except for Del Mar, uh, I think, a, you know, most of, a lot of your, your prime uh, weekend cards are already drawn. Yeah, they have not drawn yet at Del Mar for Saturday and Sunday, uh, which will be should be very good, and uh, everything else though, Churchill, uh, they are way out ahead of it, uh, as as you've seen, and the Golden Rod and the Jockey Club Gold Cup, and uh, everything that comes with uh, that slate that we always look forward to. Uh, we hinted a little bit at the the Fall City and uh, and the Clark. Uh, and the uh, Cardinal, 
with KK, but uh, now we've got the rest of the uh, the action, and uh, New York did a double draw. They did a double draw on what did they do it on Sunday? On Sunday, I think. Uh, in fact, we're we're running on Saturday. I I don't think I'm going to dare. I, I won't even bring it up with Tina uh, <laughs> about going down. Uh, but anyway, there's there's so much to look forward to, including the holiday, of course, and the uh, the Hollywood Turf Festival. And some of it some of it's drawn Thursday and Friday. Uh, so there's a lot. And then, of course, there's the transition. Uh, and I guess I have to start, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, um, my, my PP list that I utilize, uh, I've, I've got to change some of the favorites because we're, we're, on, we're, at that, we're at that transition period. Tomorrow, Tampa Bay Downs, of course, gets started. Uh, you've got the opening day, the opening day card is uh, drawn and set. So there's there's everything. There's an overwhelming, frankly, uh, amount, <laughs> and and actually I'm scared about the, uh, the 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 level of PPs that uh, I'll, I'll end up I'll end up having here by the time we get into next week and, and come back from Thanksgiving. We're going to be going to have to make the call Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, Casey continues to be uh, out. Brian uh, doing the. Uh, the duties on the dials and uh, apologize about the 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 stream they're, they're, we're having brian's trying to uh have a second stream link from the albany you know, from the upstate studio so we you know we we have this second studio that we're utilizing and uh i think k's getting that k's been they they dragged out a thing with him uh, he had to have a, a some little little surgery, a different kind, a, a, something on his leg, and uh, so. But they made him wait and wait and wait. Uh, it was supposed to have been done like last Thursday or Friday, and they they didn't they didn't actually do the work in, until yesterday. So he, he he's ready to go home. He says he feels fine. Uh, they, you know, he says a little bit of pain, but uh, so. Apologize about the stream, but uh, but Brian's been getting the you know the audio up uh, pretty quickly. Uh, I know he uh, this morning he just I think we're, what happened there? I, I think, did we, I'm not sure what, uh, not sure exactly what happened, uh, but uh, I think we, uh, we dropped, I guess you dropped. All right, well, here we are. Um, the, um, <laughs> I'm not sure what, I'm not sure where we, uh, where you lost me. So uh, I, uh, I'm not sure where to uh, to jump in. Well, anyway, we were laying out. Uh, I was laying out the uh, the schedule. Jay Privman's going to join us, and uh, Jay, with uh, uh, as we arc toward year end, Jay with some uh, thoughts. I think. Uh, also, uh, Jay 
uh, is going to be um, uh, opining on uh, the 60 Minutes. If you if you're not following Jay on Twitter, you know uh, Jay. Jay's. I mean, he's always he's always been invaluable. Uh, his his insight uh, and his perspective. Uh, you know, now now uh, frankly that uh, yeah he he is is you know, sitting back uh, retired. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting because when we think about Andy Beyer and, and Steve Crest, uh, you know, not that we can't extract, not that we can't extract his uh, their opinions because they, whenever I reach out and I ask them for insights, they, they they're happy to provide. Uh, and of course, Andy, you know, Andy's less retired than than uh, Steve Crest, uh, but. Uh, you know, because the you know the figures. So Andy is still fully involved. Uh, you know, Steve's involved. He, he plays, and uh, but it, it it's different, I think, with Steve than it is with Andy Byer. But you know, Jay, to have Jay's the ability to you know, ask Jay for insights and reaction. Uh, and, and if you haven't followed his. Well, I think uh, I guess we're back. I, obviously, uh, having uh, tremendous connection issues, uh, which you know, which is known to happen. Uh, really, don't uh, want it to happen uh, on a day like this, where we're trying to send you out into uh, the the holiday. Uh, and I've got some fun. I, I think we've got a fun morning, uh, and part of it uh, is going to start momentarily. Uh, Mandy Latterer, who I promised yesterday, I, I hinted at yesterday. Mandy uh, with the win for Lady Milagro, her homebred on Friday uh, in the autumn days. And uh, if you didn't see her her interview with uh, with Acacia, uh, you, you pull it up. It's on the it's on the Naira feed. I think it might be on the on a couple different. Uh, uh, spots, uh, but uh, she is so infectious and and so positive about the game, and uh, it's, it's easy to easy to root for her, and uh, that uh, that's one of the things that uh, kind of uh, motivated me to uh, to call because people like her. Uh, You know, the, the game, it's nice when the game rewards uh, people like Mandy Ladder. That, uh, that part of it is, is really fun. So uh, looking forward to a visit with her. And, in fact, uh, while we're, I think we're, yeah, I think we're, looks like we're, I hope we're locked in. And uh, let's, uh, 
Yeah, we're good. You think, Brian? All right. Uh, we'll hope for the uh, hope for the best. Uh, this is this this, this uh, can get again. It's very you, you know from my own uh, uh, how, how frustrating it. Just as frustrating, obviously, for me uh, when when there's uh, the instability. It, it, it's and it's so funny because it's so so random. That's the thing that uh, that's the thing that makes you crazy. You know, there's there's no there's no predicting it. Uh, there's no uh, you know there's no way of knowing when you're gonna when you're gonna have those issues. Uh, one thing you you know you don't know either is when you when you breed your own horse and you campaign your own horses. Uh, you're always hoping for the best. You're happy to to have any success and wins. But when you do what Mandy Latterer did uh, with Lady Milagro on uh, Friday, winning the Autumn Days, uh, Carlos Martin, of course, training, and Louis Rivera aboard, and uh, known Mandy for a long time, uh, this is one of those wins that uh, everybody should celebrate along with uh, Mandy uh, Latterer, who joins us now. Mandy, congratulations. Well, first of all, happy birthday, Steve. Thank you look great. <laughs> and thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't think I've come off my high yet. I haven't slept. I think I've watched that replay 6,000 times. Uh, and I don't blame you. Uh, and you, you get to, you know, one of the benefits of, of the modern, uh, of the modern uh, uh, era is that we get, uh, we get these you know these races uh, for the rest of our lives on on video this one you know this has been a very nice horse that that had won yes. three times she'd won a quarter of a million a homebred and with the and we should include uh dianette uh rivis uh in in this who who's yeah, the, the co-breeder co she's amazing we've had four wins four seconds and four thirds in her career starts 24 starts so 50% uh, in the money, and now she's, she's a stake. incredible. And a stake winner now, for you. And a stakes winner, and, an, and boy, benefited me in the end. But for the last three months, we've been trying to get her into a turf race, and they haven't been able to fill the card. Yep. So we were, by default, went in the stakes race. So <laughs> it's really an amazing thing, and uh, I really... Uh, I'm so grateful to the entire Carlos Martin barn. They've done an incredible job with her, her groom, Jose. I mean, it takes a village. Listen, it's a, a whole it's a whole gang affair, right? And um, everybody's done such incredible work with her. And we just love her to death. And we're so proud of her. Well, and you, no matter no matter what uh, your horses do, you, you, yeah. you, you're, well, you're proud. Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been, been around enough. I mean, they always do good. They come in last. I, they've done great. And they don't know. I mean, they go. We go back to the barn the next day, and we say, "You won, even if you didn't." <laughs> wow! And, and and we should. I, I, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have have you on, it, in addition, just you know, because it's a, it's a nice, it's open company, uh, it's a homebred. Uh, you, you can speak to the ups and downs of a, uh, you know, of a of a small, uh, a smallish. I mean, you you you're a, a steady owner breeder I, you right. you're not a big you know you're not you're not oh. ever going to be big but when when you've got when you've got extra you know extra money when when you sell a, a particularly nice house or two 
we we know exactly where the we we know exactly where the the expendable income goes. I mean, you you're so devoted to it, and so and and you've had. Yeah. Let's be honest. You you had some heartbreak that that every owner, that yes. not, not every owner, but a lot of owners experience. So to yep. to be rewarded with a your own homebred steak winning filly that'll that'll perpetuate you know your operation uh, and and produce valuable babies. Uh, yes, we are looking. Well, I mean, you know? we, we hope that she'll have many more races before that. But we are very excited for her future as being a mommy. It's uh, opened up a lot of doors for us as far as yep. that's concerned. So we're thrilled. I mean, but we've got her half-sister on the farm right now, a weanling that just looks spectacular. And we have, um, we're, we're so thrilled. And she's in foal. Um, her, mo her mommy is in foal again to um, Bolchero, who's now going to be based in New York yeah. now. Yeah. So we're going to drop here and have a New York bred one. We're going to go for it there. Lady Milagro is a Kentucky bred. We want to have a New York bred um Half sister or brother. So how did, how did you how did you acquire uh, Tribeca? Because I don't remember you campaigning her. Well, Tribeca is just one of those things that fell upon Diane's lap. Somebody didn't want the mare. It was in full to try St. Lorenzo um, in full with a, a horse, a sire named United States. Nobody heard sure. of. Yeah, she took it on. The baby was born. It looked like a rock star. I mean, and they're like, if a bee, if the mom can, can pr produce a horse that looks like this with a no-name sire, what could it do in the future with other um, things? But we, you know, Victor, who is um, Diane's son-in-law, he picks out all the, the um, let's see, who we should go with kind of thing. He says, yeah. let's try first dude. But yeah, we just acquired her by luck. I mean, you know, everything's, you got to have faith and, and weird things happen and it just fell in Diane's lap. And this mayor has now had all winners with the exception of Enzo's world that came in second and we had to retire him early. But he had Tri St. Lorenzo captured by fate, Lady Milagro, and then she's got eight babies. So she is, you know, a lot of people want her now, but we're not giving her up. <laughs> Well, and, and I'm just looking. You've got, uh, isn't she cozy? Who's, isn't uh, she cozy? Oh, yes. Gosh, what's wrong with me? Yes. She uh, she ran as a two-year-old, and she had to take a little break. She's with Patty Hogan right now having a little break. She's coming back, and she's going to be here Friday, and we're going to start training her again. And, boy, Carlos says she's just like Lady Milagro, so look out. So we are excited about her because she's by Cozon, and we're going to have a sprinter, I think, so. Well, and on that topic, actually, you know, you mentioned first dude who who who's the sire here, uh, who's by Stephen Godeven, who is notoriously a, 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 a dirt sire. It, it, uh, anything, yeah. anything from Stephen Godeven <laughs> on the grass is a miracle. Uh, exactly, <laughs> and we broke our maiden on the grass at a distance. So go figure that out. I mean, she, we didn't even know what she could do distance on the grass, let alone win her maiden on the grass, break her maiden on the grass. So we were just as surprised as everybody else. And then, then she, you know, then she went on the dirt, and then we're like, wow, we got both. And then we figured she, she ended up liking the turf a little bit better. And um, it's just weird. Everything, it, all the avenues of Tribeca, I mean, um, first dude, didn't show grass but a little bit of that saint liam was yeah just enough so just enough 
just enough and she loves it i mean she loved when she if she gets the lead she's done she's done she's going she's going for it you know and um lewis rivera that wonderful and i think that you know i i love giving these guys shots you know me i love them they're amazing and this kid he wrote hard he did an incredible job so we're so we're so thrilled with him and so thankful for everybody we're always so thankful for getting any win but this has just been a a real <laughs> miracle. <laughs> wow. Mandy, Mandy. We're so excited. You should be. Mandy Ladder Thank joining you. us, uh, at a, the breeder owner of Lady Milagro, who won Friday, uh, won the Autumn Days, uh, and uh, 51 to 1. Wasn't the longest shot on the board, actually. Salvage. Uh, oh, it was, wasn't? I no, didn't even, you there, know what, I, I'm so focused on her. <laughs> there was a 70 to 1 shot, uh, but uh, Rivera, you know, got uh, on the lead and i mean she went fast at 21 and 3 40 oh my gosh three and who four. Sees 43 who sees that i've never yeah. seen that it's just she was just off the track record by such a little bit 107 so close no she ran a just ran a, a mammoth race and yeah uh, it, what, god was good with us this time right what do i you, mean it's all the <laughs> racing heavens what do you do uh, now with the with the turf season over how, right. how well, are you going to handle it? We have some options, and uh, we had one option, and now Carlos is thinking something in Gulfstream, but we're still trying to decide it all. You know, if there's options, and uh, he might want to lean towards a stakes race in Gulf, Gulfstream before the New Year's out, uh, before the New Year comes in, rather. It's been a long yeah. three days. <laughs> um, but we're, we're still weighing our options, or, or she'll have a break for a little while, but we're looking forward to her... Uh, Next campaign in 2024. My gosh, I am so excited and, and couldn't be a prouder mama. <laughs> Mandy, a couple minutes more. I, I, I should ask you because I, I, I mean, when I started coming around a little bit, uh, you were you were on the scene. And what what was your interest? Where did your interest start in in racing? Talk about you know getting involved and then getting involved right. to this level. Well. My love for horse racing started with my dad when I was five, and he taught me how to gamble. So um, we went to the racetrack every weekend as a young kid, almost every weekend up until I was married, pretty much. My father passed away of lung cancer, so he never got to see all this success that we had in horse racing. But, you know, I've known you for years. I started in partnerships and um, had a, a nose hair of a horse. And... Um, it just it just evolved you know I, I my dream was to have my own silks and you know i love i loved racing in partnerships but i wanted to see my yellow silks i had designed these things not with the l because i wasn't married at the time but i always wanted yellow and black silks and um gary gullo actually gave me my first shot at having a horse with my own silk so that's where it started and then we got the love of it and then we got the bug of it and then it was just like a tic tac you keep eating i keep having another one and another one and then um, Gary introduced me somehow to Diane over a horse that retired. And um, I gave her first penny, which was one of our horses we had. Oh, yeah. With Gary Siaka. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, she did good by us. And we decided, you know what, you want to make some babies with this one? And Diane did. And we got uh, a winner. We got Santavo. He won a couple. He won quite a few times in seconds and thirds. And he's with him. He got claimed. And he's done great with another trainer and so she's a proven mama 
And then we just just kept going. And like I said, she fell upon Becky and we said, let's go for it. You want to race a horse with us? And that's how it all began. And then we stopped claiming and we started breeding. So we may not be huge, but we are still, you know, we're 100% in the money with all the ba- all the moms that had babies. So I think that's pretty good statistics to show what a great job they do in Ocala to get the horses prepared for going and start training. So it's a good, it's a really good partnership, great friendship, and we're just so thrilled and and so grateful to everybody. Everybody's been so lovely since the win i i have to say we're so humbled by everything wow uh, that that's a that's a tribute to you and uh, oh, to how infectious nah, just you, i i one of the first things i mentioned yesterday uh in doing the weekend recapping was this win and uh anybody that oh, anybody that you. saw you with acacia and uh you know, oh yeah that was great <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember how that Carlos said you forgot to thank me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, of course, Carlos, you go without saying. But you get so caught up in the moment and um, you want to thank everybody. And then you start, then, you know, you forget a couple of people that you shouldn't forget because obviously Carlos has done an incredible job with this Philly. So we are so thrilled. And, um, and, and being interviewed, it was all, and, and getting the trophy, you know, things that a lot of people take for granted. I never will take any of this for granted. I will savor this for my lifetime. It's beautiful. Well, uh, and, and who knows where this leads. I mean, one, you know, one thing I started to, I started to uh, hint at uh, it, in terms of her level of performance, uh, 91 buyer uh, for her in this. And, and so she's, you know, she's knocking, not, not knocking on the door. I mean, this is an open she's company. Really, I know she, she's only getting better. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I looked at her body. I, I said, my gosh, she's gotten better in the last couple of months. What? She's just a beast. She's just beautiful. And I, I, I pray to God she stays healthy and we can go on to do some amazing things in 2024. I really really hope she can and uh stay healthy you know how this game is it's you got to keep this them healthy and happy which i know she always is and um and have some racing luck that's what it's all about and some good weather that doesn't take things off turf yeah that that that, that's a that's (laughs) a heartache that we've all dealt with uh, particularly this year yeah Uh, but But we're, we're, we're just excited and um we're just so thrilled in this. We're just taking each day as it comes. And right now we're just relishing in this excitement. And to come before Thanksgiving and Christmas, oh, my gosh, what a <laughs> Christmas miracle. <laughs> uh, Lady Milagro. Uh, the first, uh, The first dude, Philly. She's actually, she's two for two at Aqueduct. So you're going to yep. be a beneficiary of uh, the Belmont renovation and, and, you know, basically, you know, the terms of uh downstate racing yeah. uh, she won at belmont she broke her maiden at belmont so i kind of miss the idea of her winning there but you know what i still need that saratoga win with her so um, i got second there on the summer the, the summer um, at the allowance and that, you know that was on good turf uh and that was sort of a yeah, hint. it wasn't firm no and she she likes to be able to dig her toe in I, yes, that, that's obvious that was the problem there yeah. yeah she needed the firm turf there we would well, probably have had it no I, I i i think i think a little bit of giving the ground like uh, because i know even though they're calling it firm on on this past weekend, it, it, it 
in, in November the turf's not firm like it is in the summer. She I, she likes uh, she liked what what she got uh, in terms of the footing. Uh, th this is uh, this uh, clearly she can run almost you know on anything. It seems. Yeah, I mean if it's your day, it's your day, and she was feeling great. I mean she came down like nice. I said. It's really how they look in the paddock. You know you can have every good thing on paper, but if they're not feeling that good that day, they're not going to run. She was feeling great. She just looks spectacular. And and I just couldn't understand the odds. I said, this is just not fair, but I don't yeah, mind. I you mean, don't it's care. Great That's odds. That, exactly. But, I mean, <laughs> really, where's the respect? She's 100% in the money in on the turf. Like, put her somewhere or 20 to 1. But I didn't care. I mean, it's great for betting people. But of course, there's a lot of angry people at me saying, "How come you didn't tell me to bet?" No, oh, that's yeah, you can't that that yeah, you can't you can't worry about that. Well, no, and it's, it's not my deal. It, well, the night, I tell you one thing that Carlos is quite it's quite nice that, you know for Rivera, uh, you know who was coming. He obviously can't have the uh, the weight allowance uh, in the state. Right. So. Right. Uh, for Carlos to give him the opportunity uh, is is also quite uh, is quite we special. We were animate. We were animate about having him. Nice. We were. Good for you. We were very. We're very loyal people, and he ran the last race. You know, she beard out a little bit in the last race um, uh, on the dirt. She wasn't just happy that day for the dirt, and um, I liked the kid, and he and he deserved the shot again. Nice. And Good for we were you. pretty animate on that stuff. You know, yep. we. We feel as though everybody deserves a shot. You know, they gave me a shot years ago. Everybody deserves a shot. And and it was his first stakes win, so to have a first and a first yep. for everybody, it was just making that that much special for everybody and the whole team. I love it. Uh, Mandy, yeah. delighted for you. And, Thank uh, you. Happy Thank you so much for having me not, on. What an honor. Not at all. <laughs> uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and Michael. Thank and, you. Uh, and to you and Tina. I and happy it. belated birthday. Thank and you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm absolutely elated. Thank you. Mandy Ladder, everybody. And uh, if, if you need your house, you want, if you're looking for a house on the island, uh, you, you want to sell your house, uh, how, do they, later, how, team. how do they, <laughs> how do they find you on that front? Good, you, you can find me. I work at Douglas Elliman Real Estate and um, in the Locust Valley office. But you can always use my cell phone, find me on Facebook. Um, I'm everywhere, really, but uh, Andy Ladera, L-A-D-E-R-E-R. -E -E <laughs> uh, I love it, Mandy. Thank you. Thank you so much for the plug. I appreciate you, that. Not at all. It doesn't. All right. Take care. <laughs> Talk soon, right. Mandy Ladera. Everybody, what a Thank what a you. you're welcome. What a great. Uh, if you had if you didn't see that interview with her at uh, Nicasia, you know, it, really fun, uh, and she just uh, she's so gung ho. Uh, really really nice i love it all right let's uh let's press on i know we had uh, we, were, we were a little messy there uh the first uh little little unstable on the connection sorry about the first uh 20 25 minutes let's uh get kk in here i want to get uh, you situated for the future wager because we'll be gone wednesday thursday friday and uh this is your only opportunity at the sire wager as well and uh the sire wager was getting as much conversation yesterday as as uh, the two-year-olds and uh, the derby hopefuls kk good morning good morning steve what's happening i are you as uh, bleary-eyed as me how late did you stay up after the game uh you know i made it for about a half hour or so after the game 
I, I can't. Uh, it, 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 I don't think I. I don't think I got in bed till quarter to one. Uh, oh, well, because I, I, I watch, you know, I watch uh, the post game on, on you know, the Eagle, you know, the Eagle website net, network, which is, uh, the, you know, that Fran Duffy is as uh, is as sharp as uh, as they get, and, and uh, you got Seth Joyner, and it, it really fun. And so I watched all the interviews, and uh, that was very satisfying, and and it was the exact opposite. I don't know if you feel this way. You're you're not as old as I am. But this was one of those games where those of us that are long-term Eagle fans were in the position uh, that the Chiefs were uh, and Chief fans were, which is, oh, we're in control of this. Oh, we, they, 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 they're not losing tonight. It, and, and, then, and then it slips away. And it, it, when, when, they, when they got that touchdown to make it 17-14, Tina had gone to bed, but when they scored that touchdown, because I was in constant in contact with Johnny and and with Will Schwartz, I said all they got to do is go down here and score. Let let's let's get a score, and then you got 15 minutes. It comes down to a 15 minute game, and that's exactly how it came off. I'll tell you what. I, I read a stat this morning, and I think this was right. It was like Jalen Hurts has won yep. his last seven games or so after being down 10 or more points, and the next. You know, highest is four games. I mean, that's insane. Well, how about how about uh, the fact that he's he's won his last thirteen against teams with winning records? Yeah, I mean, look, say what I mean. I thought Regular this season. was his bounce year, right? Like, you know, <laughs> they he had such a huge year last year. I'm like, oh, he's got to bounce, but he still clutches up, and that's impressive. Like, even if you're you know sort of on the bounce year and maybe not as strong as he was last year, I mean, he clutches up when he needs to. Well, the other the other thing that uh, the, the toughness factor that that anybody that's watching carefully it, it has to realize that that knee is a problem, and that knee is not 100 percent by any stretch. And he he doesn't say a word. They ask about it. I'm fine. I'll be fine. It's fine. I, it, it, I've never seen a guy like this. That is, he's 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 like. He's like a 25-year-old Tom Landry. It, it, I mean, honestly, he he is he is stone-faced and placid. I've never seen a guy like this. Which is a great mixture. It's like you got the old-school toughness, like you mentioned, like a little Landry factor. But then you got the new-school style of football, where he's just so mobile and you know he makes smart decisions. It's uh, it's it's a great balance. I'm I'm pumped for this team. I wasn't at first this season. I was like, oh, you know, I'm not too sold on them this year coming back after the big year last year but you know the record sort of speaks for itself this year in a wide open it's nfl it's unbelievable I, it, 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 and it's just such a different they're just such a different team i, I, I never at any point was unnerved you know I, that that that's what that's what really sort of i i i'm the plaza the placidity of of jalen hurts is rubbing off on me I'm just glad we didn't have to see any pictures of Taylor Swift at the game last night. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there was one Swift in attendance, uh, and and uh, and he was terrific. <laughs> so, yes, exactly, the uh, right Swift. That's pretty funny. No, I, I uh, Tina was like Tina had fallen asleep, which is not like her. Usually, when I come upstairs, she has stayed up, and uh, uh, I, I she says, "Come watch in bed." I said, "I'm not watching in bed." forget it there's that that's 
that's the kiss of death, uh, watching in bed. <laughs> well, that, that, that's where actually I watched the game. Did you really? Bed. All right. Yeah, All right. so I took our oldest up to bed last night. We got home from the Bellarmine basketball you know, beating. They lost about 13 last night. And then, so I come home all depressed and, you know, we get home like late in the, the second quarter and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take you up to bed, Josie. And so we go up to bed and I came down. It was probably about, you know, 10 minutes to go in the third quarter just to grab a drink. And my wife is watching the game down here. I couldn't be more proud of her. Like she is like totally <laughs> on board with being an Eagles fan. And she <laughs> doesn't watch sports. She doesn't watch football, especially but she had that game on last night when I popped nice. down here. So that was, I love uh, it. That was impressive to see. Well, uh, we uh, it, it doesn't let up. Uh, they've they've got uh, what they got the Bills. They got uh, got Bills, Niners, Dallas, Seattle. So they're two. They're one third of the way through this murderous stretch, and uh, it's also also. Also satisfying, frankly, to to see uh, Captain Andy uh, taken on the chin. Uh, I, yes. uh, yeah, he can he can go have some of those nuggies that he talks about on the on the on the commercial. I'm sure he I'm sure he ate a bucket of them uh, last night. Uh, I, I was happy when he got his first Super Bowl, but that was that was enough. It's, a, it's enough. <laughs> Let's let's move on. That was enough. You, you got a lot for the for the birds. We're done. Uh, Too funny. Well, we're just getting started on uh, future wagers, and um, you know, we we talked a little bit about that pool that uh, was run during Breeders' Cup, and, and the big news out of that, of course, was fierceness. Uh, you know, riding his ship, and and giving people live twenty-nine to one tickets. Now we've got pool two, and this will go through Sunday. So. Uh, some of the two-year-old racing of the weekend will will influence these prices, but it's our only opportunity at the sire wager as well. And uh, I was I was impressed and interested in all the the chatter uh, on the future wager. People were, uh, were were intrigued by some of the price uh, disparity between individual entrants in the in the regular pool uh, versus their sires. Yeah, yeah, I kind of appreciated a little bit uh, after reading the commentary on, you know, on social media with Mike's morning lines. And uh, he, you know, it, it's sort of two mentalities, right? So if you want to take, you know, let's say Medagliadoro, who is the sire of Nash. Nash is 20 to 1 on the line. Medagliadoro offspring are 80 to 1. But then you're sort of stuck with Nash. And, um but, and he doesn't really have Medagliadoro a whole lot behind him right now. Or do you take a sire like Into Mischief, who was 8-1 to one on the line, who has a ton of prospects right now, um, in, in comparison? So this is what makes this pool so much fun. You know, I wouldn't read into the morning lines too much here um, over the first couple of days of, of this future wager. It's all going to balance itself out come Sunday, uh, closed at 6 o'clock Eastern time. Again, 40 interest in that, uh, you know, the individual pool two future wager. And then also, uh, you know, 40 interest in the sire, 39 individuals, and the 40 for the all other sires. All other sires made the six to one morning line favorite. It closes the favorite last year. Um, so just, you know, sort of see how things balance itself out come Sunday. But it's a, a fun puzzle, especially these two wagers. And, uh, you know, the, your last chance to wager on the sires for this year. And, uh, you know, who knows? You can get lucky and maybe get a couple of uh, potential derby hopefuls that you like right now under the same sire or uh, you can take a gamble of 
you know, maybe there's some price disparages as well. Well, and I'm, I'm looking for a couple of names. Uh, it, you know, one thing one thing obviously to do is you know dig through, dig through, maiden special weight results from the last let's say six weeks. You know, going back to the end of Saratoga and Del Mar, uh, and and through, you know, October and and into these last two weeks. It, it, particularly, uh, Vino Rosso. It, it, I mean, 80 to 1 on this line. And nobody should have expected no, that, that Vino Rosso progeny were going to necessarily, you know, be winning at five and a half and six furlongs. And yet, you know, the, he is getting, he is getting uh, some precocious winners. Maybe, you know, maybe a horse, looking at, here, I, actually, I got the goldenrod uh, close by. Da here you go. Uh, dancing groom. Here's a good example. Here's a Vino Rosso. Uh, out of a Bernardini mare that broke the maiden at Saratoga going the the Wilson Shoot mile and had debuted at Saratoga at a big price for Antonio Sano uh, and and basically you know got beat a got beat by eight and change uh, but then when he stretched out uh, comes back and and uh, breaks the maiden ran okay in the champagne he was third beaten 10 by Timberlake and General Partner. Um, but every, everything you would expect from Vino Rosso's are, are, are going to get better as they age and better with distance. So to me, this is the kind of, of future wager stallion you know, that, that, I, that I'm interested in. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's spot on, too. And, you know, the other thing, too, that, you, you know, may be a little bit of a negative, but could also be a, a gamble, too. Like, what about Matoli? Right, we know how fast he was, and how fast some of his progeny have run so yep. far this year. They're running massive figures, uh, but maybe there's some with some, you know, bottom side route pedigree. And and who's to say that you know a horse like Booth, for instance, who's going to run in Saturday's Ed Brown for for Steve Asimson, looks like he's all that in a bag of chips. And and Steve has said, yeah, I don't think he you know necessarily can't stretch out. He's just keeping him you know at the sprint distances for now and then probably slowly stretching them out into his three-year-old year. So do you trust these massive figures that some of these Matoli offspring are throwing that maybe have some bottom side pedigree to, who knows, maybe uh, get a route of ground? Or, you know, do you sort of nix it and say that, oh, he's only a sprint sire? So that's a, a fun uh, option there, too, to, to look at. I like that. And, you know, for those that, that, that don't have, you know, ready uh, pedigree uh, information at, at hand, uh, He's an Escondorea, and you know, for those that certainly, you know, Escondorea, uh, one of those horses that uh, that didn't get a chance uh, in in the classics and in the Derby, but you know, up to a mile and an eighth, uh, Escondorea, I mean, he looked looked as good as as anybody uh, of of his generation, and there you're right, there there's no there's no telling what. Uh, the Matolis do, and you mentioned Booth, who's out of a Bellamy Road mare. So there's, you know, there, there's nice, uh, nice staying power uh, on the bottom side. Uh, Sophia's song. This is a Clear Sky uh, product that was a two-year-old training purchase uh, for the Highland Brats. So uh, good, good point, Matoli. Uh, some of the other young sires that uh, that you might uh, you might want to look at at prices. <laughs> uh, there it is. There it's all right. We, we knew we knew we'd hear from one eventually. Uh, how about uh, 
<laughs> and how about the the main pool? Let's talk about pool two for a minute, and uh, consider some new names and uh, faces that uh, uh, that we might get at a value. Yeah, I think you know we sort of led off to it earlier, uh, Steve, talking about how you know, Saturday stars a tomorrow card at Churchill. There's several horses that we used in this pool that. Um, are very live on Saturday and so you know maybe it's a watch and see approach you got you know a really competitive maiden special or a allowance race first level allowance going a mile that we use three the competitors plus the Kentucky Jockey Club so uh, you know definitely keep an eye on those races on Saturday uh, for some of those horses plus that Ed Brown where we included Booth who uh, you know if he runs off the screen again he could take some action uh, there's 13 total new ones from that pool one you know some of the people that I talked to, one of their favorite things to do with this second pull, the Derby Future Wager, because we don't wheel back for the third pull until uh, mid-January when the Triple Crown nominations close. So uh, they like to get Christmas stocking stuffers, and they take, you know, five, six, seven horses. They, you know, get their Future Wager tickets, and they use them as stocking stuffers so that way their family can follow along to something um, into the new year for the Derby. So that's always a fun thing to do. Um that a lot yeah. of the local gamblers that I know they like to you know have those printout tickets so that's uh, that's fun uh, and it, yeah interesting thing to do but again you know that this first this second pool closes Sunday at six o'clock you know keep an eye on the action on Saturday at Churchill and then do your comparisons on the uh, the sire future wager you can get the past performances for both the sires and the uh, pool two on KentuckyDerby.com slash future wager so if you want to take out the check out the sire future wager. Uh, some of the progeny on there that uh, are listed, you can do so on KentuckyDerby.com slash FutureWager, and then the past performances for 38 individual interests in Pool 2 plus 39 interests for uh, all the Phillies, and then number 40, which is all others that we haven't listed. Um, so that's probably going to be 3 to 5, 4 to 5, I'd say, is we'll close as the favorite. Well, and actually, I, I went, I'm actually on, uh, I'm on the website, and I, the, um, <laughs> are, are we Josie's, Josie's playing babies <laughs> I love it that's uh, yeah. tremendous uh, <laughs> pretty good the I'm just I'm on the actually I went to the future wager site and I uh, well the pool doesn't open of course until uh, Thursday Thursday evening six o'clock uh, pool uh, or closes on Sunday at six o'clock it opens at noon. Uh, on Thursday, and uh, you know, you mentioned the Stars of Tomorrow card. We we obviously we talked about uh, the Thanksgiving card, Kev. How about a quick glance at uh, at the Clark because we speculated, and now we've got uh, a field that came together quite nicely. Yeah, you know, it's a a very fun day of racing. You know, one of the my favorite days of racing all year at Churchill, and you know, the the pool sizes are massive on uh, this card too. So you know, the Clark is the featured event. And uh, first mission looks like he could be, you know, sort of anything into next year. He was just as impressive as could be at Keeneland when he was in so much trouble coming back in that allowance race. Yeah. And uh, he, 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 you know, horses at Keeneland don't overcome that trouble and win. Uh, so who knows what he's like? He could be. He's going to be the big favorite in there. But it's a, you know, a solid field of ten that's uh, drawn on there. Um, and and that'll be the featured event with 12 races on the uh, Clark Day card Thursday through Sunday all 12 races on a program at Churchill wow um, and uh, you know Friday especially has these massive pools it's almost like you know the the wives let their husbands go out to the track and, and gamble for the day while they go shop 
Um, so, you know, be sure to dive into those pools. We're still day-to-day on this turf course. I'm looking outside at the the ground right now, Steve. Unfortunately, it's raining out there right yeah. now. So, uh, yeah, just not a whole lot of luck, but we're still, you know, keeping an eye on things and monitoring it, and we're still day-to-day. You know, if we can get them on, that, that'll be great. I'll be sure to update that on my my twitter account at horse racing kk you know first thing in the morning but uh yeah it's the rain is still coming down outside right now so uh not a whole lot of fun right here in the ville but the action will be hot and heavy on the dirt course of course uh next week well and and to go back to uh for a minute to the uh, the clark and uh I, I i hadn't printed and i just did uh the we we talked to mike denny uh as it happens on friday uh, in anticipation, you know, Mike, uh, the head of the HBPA down at Tampa, and so anticipation of their opening tomorrow, uh, Denny was going ahead with his New York bread and uh, draws the rail. And obviously that, that you know, Florent Giroux, whose tendency is to go forward anyway, you got to figure that straight arrow, 8-1, to one, is at least going to go forward and establish some position. There's a couple of fresh faces in here that, uh, you know, first mission, we, you know, we I think most people are, you know, going back to the Lexington breakout win and, and then the time off. And as you mentioned, uh, the Keeneland, the adventurous Keeneland win, he draws a, a breast. And uh, you figure Saez is going to draft off straight arrow. The, here's a new name and a new face, uh, a Curlin Gelding for Harrell Ventures and China Horse Club. Uh, gasoline making his stakes debut. This has been a slow developing type uh, for... Pletcher and uh, a horse, you know, that suddenly has won two in a row. Uh, in fact, both at Churchill, uh, and he's knocking on the door of triple-digit buyers. Uh, you've got uh, Stage Raider, who we have affection for, uh, for John Gunther, and uh, this is an important start for him. And of course, that uh, good performance in the Akak behind Zozos uh, established him as uh, having potential to participate uh, in the Breeders' Cup. That didn't go as planned, but uh, Stage Raiders 12 to 1. Uh, I understand that uh, Pesson is not 100% to run Happy American, and boy, it hurts uh, to see the, the change in the ownership line already, uh, a state of Bob Lothenbach. I, I mean, it, it that is just heartbreaking. Yeah, I know. That was, uh, you know, especially we were, you know, trying to get, you know, such a great interview with Chris Block last week, and, uh, you know, that was a, a, a bummer in the Chaluki where, you know, she couldn't yeah. get the job done uh, in her final start. And Happy American, it sort of seems like this horse for Pesson is always like a, a game-time decision. He's always an interesting horse and, a, you know, a quirky type. And so if he's usually on his game um, in the couple of days leading up to the race, he's going to run him. But he's sort of like an, uh, a hot and cold type of horse. So, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see on him. Uh, you mentioned those those new names in gasoline, and this horse has never been really respected either. He was six to one, six and a half to one last time out at Churchill when he won uh, that allowance race. And so, you know, you can say he likes the track. He's been based at Churchill with uh, Amelia Green's strength for the Todd Pletcher camp, um, and, and so he's a very interesting new face. I, I sort of wish Blue Devil would have drawn more, you know, sort of towards the inside, and, and there wasn't, you know, a whole lot of speed. Uh, drawn on i think he maybe he could get himself into a little bit of a duel i thought he ran a great race last time out the lucas classic but he doesn't necessarily need the lead as he showed last time out he can uh 
you know, maybe sort of track off the things, but he's drawn pretty outside uh, for the Jeff Hiles camp. But it's a, a fun race because it's race 11, um, and, and it's a feature event. It'll go just before 6 o'clock Eastern time on uh, on Friday's card. 149 editions of the Clark, just like the, the Derby and the Oaks. And such a story history. It was downgraded to a grade two this year. Uh, but it's, you know, I can see a, a big performance by first mission or maybe one of the others in here could catapult a horse to running in the Pegasus in January. So that's why it's sort of an important race, too. It's, uh, you know, catapulting into the early portions of next year if you didn't make the Breeders' Cup. Well, we certainly hope that uh, you get uh, the the turf stakes that you're hoping to get in. The Commonwealth is scheduled for Sunday. The Mrs. Revere uh, scheduled for uh, for Friday. Uh, there's also uh, Stars of Tomorrow two card uh, turf races. So I hope, uh, knock on wood, that uh, it might be able to utilize those. Uh, but uh, the, the the frankly the key events uh, are main track. And uh, Stars of Tomorrow, uh, Clark, uh, you name it, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, a strong finish to the Churchill season. And uh, we should also note that uh, the future wager for both the Sire, the only Sire pool, and uh, Pool 2 open Thursday, close on Sunday. KK, happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate this. And uh, we will talk to you uh, on the backside. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, go birds. Go birds. There we go. Just like whenever you see anybody arrested these days in Philly with the camera on them. What are they, do you have anything to say? Go birds. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Kay. Uh, taking care of the kids today, which we appreciate it. Uh, here we go. We're going to get Jay Pribben. I th This should be a lot of fun. And, and uh, I've... Uh, I've been looking for it. I've I, I reached out to Jay a, a couple different times uh, during the fall, and um, I tell you, it, it it's nice to be retired, and uh, it it uh, uh, certainly feels like Jay is making and Ann are making the most of it. Jay Pribben, good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Excellent. And uh, you know, part of this, and, and that's why I'm so glad you responded and and were willing to visit. Uh, this would be the first, the first November into early December stretch, where where you and I and and Marty McGee haven't had a chance, well, wouldn't have a chance to to wish each other a happy birthday. The the three of us born uh, over a little more than a fortnight uh, in in a, in a bunch. So if I don't talk to you by December seventh, happy birthday. Well, thank you, and uh, happy birthday today to Marty. Exactly, and uh, I haven't texted and to Marty you yet. yesterday, right? <laughs> you know, I discovered there was somebody else that. Uh, in fact, I think there's two others that we that I came up with over the course of this year. Well, good. I I, I want to say they can join the party. Exactly, and it's the when I remember being at I think at Churchill we, or I know maybe it was at a Breeders' Cup that we all discovered it. It was very funny. Uh, Jay, uh, I. I I am so envious because uh, you know you're you're traveling, you're you're uh, coming to you know racing events at your at your leisure. And how talk about it? Talk about uh, being a having a free hand. Uh, no, it's just nice to I can do what I want when I want. So it's it's 
it's been nice. I'm <clears throat> enjoying it. And Anne had retired before I did, so I've finally wised up and caught up to her uh, when I retired a little over a year ago. So we've had a fun year. We've done a lot of traveling. Um, just been very, very enjoyable. Well, we're coming off uh, Breeders' Cup, and uh, in fact, Breeders' Cup is going to travel to you for the next two years. You, you won't even have to drive to L.A. You, you can. <laughs> yes, it'll be a home home game at Del Mar. It'll be very nice. Uh, Looking forward to that. Uh, had a couple of nice Breeders' Cups here at Del Mar, and hopefully, we'll have a couple nice, a uh, couple more good ones. Hey, were you surprised by? What I, I had this conversation with David Jerkins uh, 48 hours after the announcement, or maybe even 24, and, and there were people that were grousing about it. And I, 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 was, I was mystified. Well, I mean, what's the, what's the context of the grousing? If the context is we should move it around, then I agree with that. It should be moved around. But if that's overlaid with where was it going to go specifically to 2025 because Keeneland is going to be having construction as right. Belmont Park is under construction yeah. and Churchill Downs was you know was in the driver's seat to have that Breeders' Cup and uh, there was an impasse in terms of Breeders' Cup and Churchill Downs in terms of uh, eligibility of individuals and you know, track rules versus uh, you know Breeders' Cup uh, rules, and that impasse well, was apparently a, a line that, uh, from what I'm told, Churchill Downs was unwilling to uh, uh, recede on. And so, at that point, what was Breeders' Cup supposed to do? I mean, their their options at that point basically were, you know, return to Santa Anita. Uh, go Santa Anita, Del Mar, Santa Anita, or just leave it at Santa Anita for, or, excuse me, or leave it at Del Mar for two straight years after having all the infrastructure set up at Del Mar for 2024. And that is obviously, in this specific case, the easiest thing to do. So, you know, their hands were really kind of tied in terms of where they were going to go for 2025. If you understand the landscape of all the the conflicts that were in uh, in effect, uh, either owing to construction or philosophical differences. No, well well framed, uh, and I appreciate you laying that out because uh, that I don't think that point was made as clearly, you know, to a, a wider audience. I mean, there there there's going to be potential, uh, you know, based on, uh, on on some different conversations with with some track uh, executive types. Uh, there's there's a potential for uh, a kind of a different era, uh, and I think some of that is going to be involved in decisions uh, with synthetic surfaces again. And, uh, you know, if there's a wider, uh, uh, you know, application and, and wider uh, usage and, and installations of, of synthetic tracks, you know, a place like Woodbine would get back into the rotation. And I, there, there's obviously what's going on. You mentioned Belmont. I mean, uh, people in New York were so eager to get a, a Breeders' Cup to come back uh, to, you know, to Belmont Park. So uh, there, it, it's, uh, there's a future, there's an interesting future uh, to be monitored and, and to be watched uh, for, for Breeders' Cup. And, and, you know, Jay, I think, I don't know if you, how much of the show you've been able to hear 
in the in the couple of weeks after Breeders' Cup. But we we had conversations with Matt Hegarty and and with Frank Angst about the handle, uh, you know, uh, concerns and and you know the over. Uh, is there too many? You know, are there too many races? Is the thing spread too thin? I, I think you could make that argument. I think there's probably too many races, but you know, uh, I mean, the Dirt Mile was a yeah was a fun race this year. Uh, That's true. And, you know, it was obviously a, 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 a the storyline behind it. The last two years was great, but you know, to me, that just gives more options for horses who could go in either the sprint or the classic you know it's like pick a side um and so that you you sort of dilute the fields that way um i think that what they've done with the friday two-year-old races has really been good they get big fields and all those races and it's i think that the way they've marketed that future stars friday to me is is really terrific um so maybe there's some tweaking that can be done bt also make the you know the argument on the other side of the, the dirt mile that you know, milers are you know, the net mile is probably one of the best races of the year and you know it'd be nice to have a championship race at that distance uh you know there's obviously the uh the cigar mile uh at aqueduct in in early december but it, it's nice to have a championship race at that distance i like it better when it's a one-turn mile as opposed to a, a two-turn um so i mean but that's about it in terms of i think where you can really nitpick i think most of the other races work or have uh legitimate championship implications you know um at the beginning uh of the breeders cup there was there was no philly and mare sprint but i think it's reasonable to say that you know there should be since there is a championship in that division an eclipse award in that division that they should have a race in that division so um, you know, I, 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 you know, there's what, 14 now, maybe you could take it down to 13, but I, I don't, I don't think you'd want to cut it back down to seven or eight. I just, I just don't see that. So I think well, by and large, it works. And speaking of divisions and, and championships, what, uh, anything, anything do you think that uh, is, is yet to be determined? Uh, you know, we, uh, you're somebody that I, I would never ask that question until after the opening day at Santa Anita, uh, traditionally. Uh, but, uh, you know, some thoughts on, in that direction. It, it's kind of an open, unusual year, really, uh, particularly on the horse of the year front. Well, Cody's wish is going to be horse of the year. I, I know. So, I don't really, I, you can make arguments for others' horses, um, but he, he's going to be horse of the year. So, which is, <laughs> which is, which will, which will be appropriate and special. But I mean, he, he's, he's an unusual, who, who, would we compare him to historically uh, as a as a horse of the year? Uh, I don't know, Steve. I don't have the full list just, of I'm horses just... of the year in front of me to make a yeah. you know an educated response to that question. But it's like a it's sort of like a bricks and mortar wise Dan kind of a kind of a year. Well, I mean, most years are are, are kind of that way where you don't have a. You, you, unless there's a triple crown winner or something like that um there's 
you know, there's several from which to choose. You know, I mean, obviously with Flightline, that was a pretty easy layup last year. But, you know, this year you could make a case, I'm sure, for a few others. But, you know, I could pick a hole in every other one that you would bring up. Um, so, you know, give me a couple of ideas and I'll tell you why, to me, Cody's wish would be at least their equal, if not better. No, and, and I... And, and I... No, no, I'm, a, I'm asking you to do that. I mean, give, give me a couple. Who are the other ones that you think are in the mix? Oh, well, I, that's... Uh, you said it's wide open, so you must I, have a couple uh, other ideas as to who could possibly be horse of the year. Well, the discussion, come, at least the discussion coming out of, uh, out of, out of Breeders' Cup, uh, I, I suppose in the immediate aftermath, uh, you know, involved, involved a little white of barrio, a little idiomatic. Uh, okay, so let me take those two in order. White of barrio won the biggest race at the end of the year, the Breeders' Cup Classic. But you'll remember, um, he and Cody's wish split two meetings. Cody's Wish beat him in the Met Mile, yep. and then Wida Barrio beat him in the Whitney. And if you look at their overall record for the year, I think you could make a legitimate argument that Cody's Wish has a better overall record from you know January through November. So, you know, to me, that's a close one because they split two meetings against one another. But the overall record to me of Cody's Wish would would win out over Wida Barrio. In the case of Idiomatic who had a terrific year, uh, but all of her races were in restricted races. Yeah. And, you know, to me, for, for my taste, generally speaking, uh, I'd like to see a horse like that beat open company in order to have a claim at horse of the year. I, I, I have no problem with the way she was campaigned. I think they did exactly the right thing. And she's will be deserving winner of the older female divi- on dirt division, but for horse of the year, to me, uh, restricted races don't count. Uh, in in in, the, in in this context, when you have other horses who ran an open company who have worthy enough records, to me, it's you know the time the, the times when it uh, a filly or mare who ran only in restricted races is appealing is when there's just nobody else to vote for, uh, you know, and I don't think that's the case this year. I think you can make legitimate cases for a couple of other horses who ran an open company. Harvard Grace, probably the, the, the Philly mayor example, right. Of, of, uh, yeah, the, the one that yeah, the, the one that was settled on, for instance, that uh, I mean, as opposed, you know, that was a funny that was a funny stretch, actually, where you had Rachel Zenyatta and, and Harvard de Grace win back to back to back three, you know, three distaffers in a row. Right. But in the case of like, you know, Rachel ran against, yeah. you know, Rachel had an unbelievable year in terms of running against males and things of that nature. So it's a completely different context to an idiomatic right i mean yeah. that's that's how i would look at that so no agree and, and i mean that was the, the we, we we still have to try to explain to some people <laughs> the the historic the historic nature of that campaign uh that 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 seems uh, sometimes to still be lost on people you know and also going back to harvard to grace i mean you know she did win the woodward yeah. in 2011 yeah. against males so yes, you know again to my point that's to me when 
you can make a, a more legitimate case for a, a female if they, if they run against open company. That's not what happened with idiomatic this year. So that's why I would, you know, I would lean towards uh, horses like Cody's Wish or White Abario to me are more uh, are more appealing in that uh, in that regard because they you know they ran against Open Company. You know, to me, Steve, a, a better kind of example of uh, you know a filly who didn't in the year that she was Horse of the Year didn't run against Open Company but had a terrific overall record and the males just made a mess of things was in 2002 when Azari was horse of the year. Um, she never that year ran against uh, open company, but you know, all the males just sort of petered out at the end of the year. That was the year, for instance, at war emblem won the first two legs of the triple crown and then, right. and, then and then bombed out. And then you had that year's breeders cup classic was the one where Volponi won. Right. Um, and, and the better candidates for horse of the year, it came up short that year. So, you know, you got to the end of the year and it's like, oh God, who do we vote for here? And Azari had a, a a strong overall record. She didn't step out of her division, but I think she won in large part, not only because she had a good overall record, but because none of the open company horses were appealing or had, had the kind of merit that we, we find this year with uh, Cody's Wish and White Abario. Nice. And, and in fact, I'm just because I pulled it up now and uh, the only other two uh, Philly slash mare uh, horses of the year, uh, the two in the last 50 years, uh, Lady Secret in 86 and uh, all along who I uh, you could have given me you, you could have given me seven letters. I don't think I would have gotten to all along. I, I completely forgot about her. Right, and both of those beat Open Company that year. You know, Lady Secret and All Along. They ran against Open Company uh, in, in those campaigns. And so that's, you know, that to me is the, you know, puts that, that kind of a campaign, makes it a more legitimate and more worthy type of campaign for Horse of the Year than, than those who would try and make a, a case in this year for idiomatic as compared to Cody's Wish or White Barrio. That's how I look at it. <laughs> Jay, you'll you'll appreciate this, uh, but I was not as as big a fan and as involved in the game in this era uh, as I know you were. But it is something when you see all along, when you see John Henry uh, bracketing all along and conquistador cielo as horse of the year as a six year old, and then again as a nine year old. I, I, I yep. it's mind boggling. He was pretty special. He was the first, you know, big horse that I covered on a regular basis. I mean, the first horse that I covered, the big, big horse I covered, I was still in college, but I covered a couple of spectacular bids races um, for the paper that I ended up getting hired at full-time after I graduated, the LA Daily News, but I was working as a part-timer for them when spectacular bid came out here in uh, in 80. But John Henry was a horse I covered extensively, and his... You know, his nine-year-old year was an amazing thing. I, it'd be hard to imagine seeing anything like that again. <laughs> well, hell, we're 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 barely able, we're barely able now to to run horses that uh, when they get to that age, uh, let alone, uh, yeah, let alone have one, you know, put in a full, put in a full season. 
Uh, yeah, on that topic, actually, Jay, uh, the, let, let's shift uh, into some other rip from today's headline uh, points. And uh, the, uh, you know, the industry, it's been a tumultuous year, obviously. And, uh, you know, the spates of injuries and, and uh, fatalities at, at more than one venue, obviously, uh, seem, to, seem to vex the game. Uh, on a regular basis and you know here we come out of uh, a breeders cup that was actually uh you know entertaining and and uh, had had plenty of of positives about it uh and the coda to the you know to that portion of the season is a mainstream media uh treatment of of the sport that uh, leaves everybody wincing and and you know, on the defensive, and uh, we've had several visitors over the last two weeks to to touch on it. And I made the point earlier this morning that that you know you've had a a very insightful, I think, uh, set of of conversations on on Twitter uh, about it. And and I really want you to flesh that out for people because uh, your your points are salient. Well, let's sort of do the overall. You know. Obviously, 60 Minutes is, you know, a reputable organization, and they've done, you know, a lot of good work over the years. And, you know, racing, owing to some of the issues this year, uh, I think was right for a uh, for them to, to do a piece on. Uh, the problems that I've had with the piece are, are not necessarily with, with 60 Minutes itself. It's with the people in racing who were the spokespeople for racing and wanted to offer their version of, of events uh, absent any pushback of some of the positive things that, that have happened in racing over, uh, over the past year. And obviously, the, it seemed that the focal point of the story initially was to talk about HISA and, and HIWU. And that kind of, a, of, and this is my words, not theirs, but there's a new sheriff in town for racing. To oversee uh, a sport that is believed to have, uh, owing to the way the jockey club seems to want to portray the sport, is, is running rampant with illegal medication issues. And you know, there's no question that there are problems. Uh, I'm of the belief that it's not nearly as widespread as the jockey club would like you to believe. But it's a uh, it, it's a useful tool for them to push some of their agenda across the wire to have it perceived the way it is. Now, let's give credit where credit's due. The Jockey Club deserves credit for initially hiring, <clears throat> excuse me, Five Stones, and um, that moving on to having the wiretaps that nailed Jorge Navarro and Jason Service. They, they did the sport a favor by cleaning that up from the sport. But I think there's been a lot of collateral damage, Steve, that's gone on uh, in regards to all that. Uh, and what I found one of the comments that Stuart Janney made in the 60 Minutes piece to be chilling when he said that when he hired Five Stones, he told them to go after people that he thought were cheating. And that to me was a really disturbing admission. And the fact that he would cavalierly make that admission almost makes it look like he thinks that 
he's king and impervious to criticism and untouchable. Um, there's there's a lot of problems with him acting that way, in my opinion. First and foremost, he is he has a racing stable, and you know for him to pick and choose who he thought they should go after to me is a problem. Now, look, you should you need to go after those people, but here, here's where and I would try and draw the line. If you hire five stones, who's supposed to have a very good reputation, I think if you just tell them, look, we think there's a problem here, have at it, that to me is fine. When you then say, I want you to look at this guy and this guy and this guy, that to me is, is crossing the line. And the, the question I would ask, and I, and I think I know the answer to this, is do you think Stuart Janney asked for wiretaps on, oh, let's say, Shug McGahee? And not that Shug McGahee's cheating. He's not. <laughs> but that's Stuart Janney's trainer, his primary trainer. And that to me is a, is, is a problem that he would, you know, because you know that the inference, of, you know what happened is that there were other trainers who they did wiretap. And I'm certain that there are a number of trainers who were wiretapped who they probably thought they'd find stuff on who they didn't. And they've never fessed up to that because it doesn't serve their agenda. And that's what I, I really have a problem with uh, the way all that has, has played out. And now just bringing it back to the 60 Minutes piece, you know, there were there were a lot of references to the problems that happened this summer at, uh, at Saratoga. And the way that was portrayed was as though medication resulted in the fatalities, the high-profile fatalities that we saw. But there, in point of fact, is no evidence that there's been any medication violations regarded to any of those fatalities. And I thought it was extremely poor form for, you know, someone like uh, Janney to not at least push back on that and say, you know, uh, we, there, there were problems here in terms of fatalities but look at what the industry's done and you know just yesterday uh you know naira put out a thing saying that through the end of training on november 11 there wasn't one fatality uh on the oklahoma training track which gets you know as you know an incredible amount of yep. use it's the it's the track that should mcgay trains on he's stabled right next to it for just as an example that's a, that's a really significant thing for that surface to be open for six months and not have a, a, a fatality is something that should be lauded. And, you know, that track closed on November 11 and the 60 minutes piece happened on November 12. Um, and as you'll remember in the 60 minutes piece, the very final sort of sign off of, of the, uh, the journalist who did the piece was, you know, referencing the fatalities that had happened and saying that to that point, uh, you know, they were still under investigation as, as to what happened, which means that, you know, they're not going to say that unless they know that day that that's what's going on. So I thought it was really disappointing that, and I'll, I'll call him out for it, Stuart Gianni, who was the pro one of the primary sources for that interview, who is the head of the jockey club, who is a board member at Naira, uh, who should... I don't know if he did, but he should know what the safety record was at that 
Oklahoma training surface uh, this year, you know, pick up the phone and call uh, 60 Minutes and say, hey, just so you know, on balance, here's something else. And I, I'm just certain that those things didn't happen because that's not part of the agenda. And that, to me, is really, really poor form on the part of a high-profile racing organization that is supposed to be honestly representing the sport. And I'm not sure that they're doing that right now. Well, I appreciate that perspective. And I I think I thought the way you laid this out in various responses or conversations that you've initiated on on uh, twitter that it 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 really provides uh you know just a a, a clear-eyed uh view i mean i i i, I mean I've, I've done my best jay to be open to uh, any any aspect of uh initiatives that the industry has taken I've, I've tried to trumpet them and and bring you know we've, we've had lisa lazarus on repeatedly and alan foreman of course is a long-term contributor here whether tha maryland and and now as the heisa ombudsman uh, but it, it it it's been such a heavy-handed and and to me seemingly a, a abusive uh trumpeting uh, uh, and and self congratulatory and, and and chest thumping and and carpet bombing, and it it it's just so damaging. I mean, you like you initially, you know, as you as you introduce the the conversation point, it it, it it's very damaging to. You know, there's there's people that only are going to hear that. They're not going to go. They're not going to go look further. Uh, you know, into you know, uh, uh, alternate sources of information about the sport. And um, it, it, it's disheartening for those of us well, that are committed to, to a future for the game. Well, look, you know, we have to be realistic about what is happening in the sport. There are, there are certainly problems, and they need to be addressed. My biggest problem with the way all of this has played out over the last several years is – the dishonesty in terms of accurately portraying what's going on yeah. or a, a word that neither of us have used yet, but I'll use now the hypocrisy behind it all. Um, you know, that, that there's rules for me, uh, uh, you know, rules for thee, but not for me kind of attitude. I, I really don't like that. Um, you know, and you look at, for instance, let's look at what's going on with the jockey club. Um, you know, Stuart Janney has been the chairman of the Jockey Club since August of 2015. He succeeded uh, his relative, Denny Phipps, who had been the chairman of the Jockey Club since 1983. So you've basically had the same family as the chairman of the Jockey Club for the last 40 years. That's not healthy in any business. And Denny Phipps's father, Ogden, was the chairman of the jockey club from 64 to 74. So for 50 of the last 60 years, the same family has been the chairman of the jockey club. That's not healthy. And I think it, it breeds some cynicism from that ask from them. 
as to what's going on. Um, you know, if their runners aren't doing as well as they used to. So, for instance, you know, that family's biggest success stories in the last 30 years have been Orb and Point of Entry. Both of those horses were retired 10 years ago. Both have been average sires at best. You know, before that, you've got to go back to Seeking the Gold, who retired in 89, Easygoer, who retired in 90 and unfortunately had an all-too-brief uh, stud career before he passed away, and Coronado's Quest in 98. So basically for 25 years, they haven't had the kind of success that they've had in terms of their, their breeding program. Um, you know, they've had some great mares over the years, but that's kind of withered on the vine, right? You know, the best horses that Shug McGahee has, has sent off to stud in recent years have been have been Farish family horses like Code of Honor and Honor Code. And I, and I honestly think that some of what's gone on there has clouded the judgment of the Janney and Phipps families. You know, they just haven't had the success. But is that because other people are are cheating and just, you know, taking money out of their pocket? Or is it because maybe they just haven't had the kind of long-term success that they, they once did uh, in terms of their breeding program? I think that's an honest question to ask. And I think if you look at the evidence, you know, you can see where it comes out. And I was talking before about hypocrisy. You know, Orb, who was uh, co-owned by uh, the Janney and, uh, and Phipps family and, and had a wonderful spring and, and campaign leading up to the Derby and won the 2013 Derby. Um, as you'll remember, and I want to remind everybody, he got good when he was put on Lasix. And he won the Derby on Lasix. And, you know, the, the, the Phipps and Janney families have campaigned against Lasix. So it was fine for Orb to win the Kentucky Derby on Lasix 10 years ago, but they've treated this medication as though it's some, you know, horrible terrible things subsequent to that um and and my final sort of you know reference to well things should be for you people should should do these things but 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 we're not gonna a few years after orb won the derby Stuart janney made a uh, a proposal that the vet records for horses that are going to run in the kentucky derby should be open that everybody should see what they are and I responded to that on Twitter by saying, that's a great idea. How about you take the lead here and release Orbs vet records? And that of course was met with crickets. So that's sort of my overview of where things have gone off the rails here. And I think it's high time for a fresh look at uh, or, or fresh management at the highest levels of racing and specifically the jockey club. I think it's become scholaric and I think all of what we've seen transpire in terms of lack of pushback. Again, I, I want to be perfectly clear that I think credit needs to be made for taking the initiative to hire Five Stones and, and rooting out people like Navarro and Service. They deserve absolutely full credit for that so I, I don't want this you know my uh comments where i find fault with them to to not 
fully credit them for that. They deserve credit for that. Uh, but there's, as I've just outlined, a, a number of other things where I think they've really fallen down because instead of trying to represent everybody and push back with honest information about what's going on, there's just been an agenda here and damn the evidence, we're just going forward with what our agenda is. And that's wrong. Well, and I, I, for those that uh, haven't haven't necessarily heard uh, other references uh, and and perspective about uh, the lack of of uh, the kind of historic success that that you know the the Johnny Phipps operation enjoyed, uh, John Secura made this point uh, a couple of years ago and uh, in, in a couple of different forums on here and, and in print. Uh, and and it it's really uh, salient again. Uh, it, it, that this, this is Jay, that's exactly why I wanted people to hear from you because you you're you're clear eyed about this uh, and should be you know should be appreciated from that perspective. I you know I, I it's it's a it's a nice uh, it's a nice addition, and and we're 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 suffering to some degree from a lack of of that kind of a voice. Uh, as I've said in recent years, that that that, that Steve Christ and, and Andy Beyer provided for decades, and. Um, no, and that's, let me, I want to elaborate on that, Steve. That's a really good point that, that you brought up. You know, a, a major issue with the coverage of racing now is that there aren't daily newspapers that, that cover racing anymore. And most of the publications that cover racing are compromised in some way uh, because they're, the line between editorial and marketing slash advertising has withered. Um, you know, when when I was hired by the racing forum, uh, and there was a wholesale change uh, in terms of personnel uh, back in '98 uh, when you know I came on board and Dave Brenning and you know and so many others, Jay Hovde and all that. There, there was a clear line of demarcation between people who wrote news stories and people who uh, were on the uh, advertising side of things, and and uh, and also. There was a clear line of demarcation between who was going to be a reporter and who could opine. And I was on the reporter's side. You know, Chris and Hovde, for instance, were on the opinion side. And and, and that was fair. They would, didn't want the reporters to be opining. And that was a change for what I had done previously. When I worked for the LA Daily News or, or for the Racing Times, I, I was allowed to have a voice. And... You know, Steve said, look, we've got a big enough staff that we've got people who are going to write opinion pieces and we've got other people who are going to write news stories. And and that's that's the way we're going to handle it. And that was fine. But that's why, you know, I didn't really opine in, in the racing form. Uh, you know, I write straight news stories and cover the good and the bad. But in terms of saying, you know, this is BS or whatever, uh, you know, that, that was not part of my job uh, uh, you know what I was supposed to be doing, uh, and you know I don't work there anymore, so I feel like I can uh, opine more. And and furthermore, you know your thing about you know Kristen Byer. I mean, they initially worked for the New York Times and the Washington Post, 
respectively. And that was back at a time when there was really robust coverage from daily newspapers. And that's just gone away. Uh, there aren't daily newspapers that cover the sport on a daily basis anymore. You know, most notably in, in New York and, and, and just heartbreakingly in Kentucky that, you know, the Lexington Herald Leader or the Louisville Courier Journal don't have dedicated racing writers like like they did years ago. And certainly in New York, where there was a really robust media presence. And I think that's hurt the sport because you don't have as many people who are kind of keeping a watchful eye on it. And when the jockey club owns, you know, the blood horse or America's best racing, you're not going to get the full kind of pushback on things if they do tend to go off the, the rails a bit there. I mean, th those are two uh, entities that certainly aren't going to, uh, you know, push back fully like they, they might uh, otherwise if they were unencumbered. And that's and that goes the same for other there's other publications too who are who are compromised. And and so to the point that you brought up a moment ago, I I, I think that's why there's just not the kind of robust, honest unencumbered coverage on a daily basis that, that there used to be. And I, and I think some people have gotten kind of complacent in terms of how they can uh, behave uh, or maybe even emboldened uh, as to how they can behave because there's not that kind of uh, a watchdog on them on a regular basis like there once was. I, I, I'm glad we, I'm glad we included this uh, in, in conversation. Uh, so that uh, so that people uh, you know the people that only hear uh, one certain uh, note uh, this is this is a, a problem that uh, society at large is also uh, is also uh, dealing with uh, people people will end up believing uh, that there's this pervasive uh, doom I, and I mean I I mean, I've never bought into that, and I won't, um, because there's there's too many positives, and that that's what was so frustrating, and 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 I'll use the same word, disheartening, about what went on on 60 Minutes uh, when, uh, as Alan Foreman, I mean, I mean, when Alan Foreman is is taking the same, you know, that same tact that that and, and has that same perspective that that you've laid out, and. You know, uh, didn't pull any punches about it. Uh, there, there, there's, there are there are good positive story to tell about the direction, and, and that, and that's what's so to me. That's what is so mystifying, over and over again. They've got what they want. There's a there's this authority. It 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 seems like it's going to likely survive legal challenge, uh, and yet it, 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 they they won't put the whip away. It, 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 absolute power corrupts absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I, uh, or, or, or to put it another way, if you watch horror movies, the call is coming from inside the house. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, see. This, this is, this is the Jay Pribman. That we know and love. Jay, thanks so much. What's the Thanksgiving plan? Uh, get fat and happy. <laughs> nice. And is uh, already uh, whipping up. Uh, we're, we're getting things all prepared here. So I think we're going to 
kind of a nice tryptophan coma after uh, <laughs> after the meal on on Thursday. But yeah, no, we 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 stay home for the holidays. Uh, we have some people over. Um, we don't like to travel. We don't like our family members to to travel. It's just it's just too crazy. We yeah. we do our we do our family holiday uh, time visits in between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and try and avoid all the the. the, the how about, the craziness yeah. of, of the holidays. What about your? What are you and Tina doing? We've got uh, as early as later this afternoon. Uh, the three grandchildren, the babies, will be nice. here. Yeah, uh, and uh, then uh, tomorrow by a train from the city, uh, Spencer and Jenna. And uh, we, I think I think there's going to be a little uh, a little pre-Thanksgiving visit from uh, Skip uh, Dickstein with the uh, camera in tow. That's become a tradition, so we're uh, we're we're set for, uh, and I'll I'll start working at at twelve oh one, as soon as we pull the plug on uh, this morning show. <laughs> <laughs> and you're already off to a good start because your Eagles won last night. Oh, so that it's, was uh, it's a magical week for you. It, 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 it's a good week for birds. For for there you go. <laughs> for for ones that soar and the ones that 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 run along it the does. ground. <laughs> and the one and the ones that got pardoned yesterday by uh, there you go <laughs> jay pridman everybody and uh jay happy and uh you and ann enjoy and uh I, I hope to see you uh when i on my december swing i will i will look forward to that keep me posted yeah. maybe this time you know reach out before you're leaving you're so and, bad uh, we'll get together uh, see you, you can't resist <laughs> well, it's true. i know it's Tell my me it's not true i'm the worst i'm the I, it's my right, just it, don't it, hang up on me like you know, no! you know you guys need to you guys need to kiss and make up. i know we will we will all right <laughs> Jay Thanks Pridman. for having me on. Happy holidays. Jay Pridman, everybody. Outstanding. Oh, he's so good. So good. Uh, we're going to take the break. we got to get one in. Yesterday, couldn't even get a break in, for goodness sakes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, three-hour. It was Gilligan's Island yesterday, the three-hour tour. I, I, Tina said, How, how'd the show go? I said, the show went great. Uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't stop. And you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think the two and a half minutes or whatever whatever it is is that big of a deal. You'd be surprised. It, 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 uh, well, you can hear it in my voice, I think. If you listen to yesterday, that last segment, you can hear. You just, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not Kip Kenyo. I'm not uh, Kip Kino. I'm not a marathon runner. You, you, you know, you run out of steam. Although I think I am, I think I am on the hot, the Eagle, uh, right? On the EAG, LES, Eagles, on the Eagle High. All right, let's take the break. We'll come back, and uh, we've got Jason Beam. We can't, we can't let Tampa get started without a Beamy visit. So Jason's out making last-second arrangements uh, ahead of the meet, and we'll talk to Jason in a minute and uh, Seth Merrow, who I think, uh, I think bought a new car. Excited to hear this. He was his, his car. Uh, you know, the reason we missed Seth last week, I think, was because it took him probably the whole time to clean out his car. I, I, that, that's going to be fun. I'm going to ask him about that. And Dave Hill, as promised. Dave, Dave uh, has worked up some uh, plays. He's he's in Hot Springs, and uh, you got three games on Thursday. You got a game on Friday, the first Black Friday. Uh, game ever kind of i don't surprised it took them this long to think of that the nfl they they, they don't they don't miss a trick <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so all right let's uh, 
step away, come right back. I can't even call it the second half. Uh, it's uh, just about, uh, what are we? We got, uh, we got an hour and, uh, hour and five. Back after this.